Welcome to the Pint Glass Football Podcast. This is Pint Glass Football. Drink beer, talk football. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Social media at PGF Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Fowler, and McKenzie Brewing is the official beer of Pint Glass Football online at mckenziebrewing.com. Got a great show for you guys. Hope you all had a nice holiday. We're going to talk about how to fix college football, NFL quarterbacks, and playoff teams, DFS strategy with Chris Robin, and the pick six betting picks with guest Connor Allen. And joining me again, as always, my co-host, Chad Smith. What is up, Chad? Oh, Brad, coming off of a four-day heater in uh, Las Vegas, went out for week 16. You already know the news. PGF Nation, I went with the Houston Texans in Survivor. They look like the 4-10 and Houston Texans. I, I mean, it was unbelievably salty to watch it all play out. Felt like I made a couple of errors in my thought process on teams that may or may not need to play week 17. The thing that I'm really the most frustrated with is in Survivor, it doesn't matter what you think is best. Weeks ahead and projecting out, you never project out. Even if there's only two weeks left in Survivor, Brad, I was already trying to think about week 17 and I didn't put enough thought into week 16. Now, I mean, I don't think the Texans were a, a super bad pick. I think they were a really good four-win team. The Bengals were coming off their Super Bowl where they just beat the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday Night Football, short week, on the road. They're 0-14 the last two years on the road, 0-18-1 like the last two and a half years on the road. And I just thought this was a good spot to maybe take Houston to give me flexibility with the Bears and Tampa Bay in week 17. I miscalculated a few things, but but it was a hell of a run. I, I put several hedge bets down, and so I didn't leave Vegas empty-handed. My pockets were full like a like a squirrel kind of storing up nuts for the winter with a big jaw full. We were off last week. It was a holiday week. I hope everyone had a Merry Christmas. You're looking forward to celebrating uh, this new year and, and ushering out 2020. But, I mean, the CFP, Brad, I mean, listen, I'm getting tired of this, man. I know it's Clemson and it's Alabama every year. But Ohio State getting walked into the three spot because they didn't want to have Notre Dame play Clemson again. They didn't want to have Texas A&M play Alabama again. I'm tired of it, man. It's old. It's worn out. I'm tired of watching the gals on ESPN talk about it and talk it up. They need to expand to eight. They need to do something different. This is getting old. If we get Bama, Clemson again for the, what, 18th time or Bama, Ohio State, whatever that might look like, it's old. It's time for a change in college football. They need to just completely tear it to pieces and start new. I don't know if they're going to because there's so much power and so much money at the collegiate level. Probably nothing's going to change. Uh, And then in the NFL, you had a crazy week, Brad. You had an unbelievably crazy week. The Colts looked like the team to beat in the first half. Pittsburgh came back from the dead. You thought Big Ben was just going to walk off the field into retirement at halftime. And he comes out and plays phenomenal football in the second half. Baker goes in and chokes in New York. That's a 1-13 team. I don't care if your players all are on COVID with the wide receivers. You still got to go win that game, Brad. That is a defining moment for him being the number one pick, Darnold being the number three pick. Darnold outplayed him. Quarterback play was really key this entire weekend. You looked at Cam last night. 
how bad can you look? I read a report today, a story on Yahoo, and the reporter was trying to say, in all fairness, Cam threw one ball down the middle that should have been caught. I'm like, I don't give a shit. He was 5 of 10 for 34 yards in the game. It's time to say Cam is not starting QB one quarterback anymore. And then the other quarterback in that game, oh yeah, by the way, Josh Allen, he said, hi, MVP race is not over. I am in the conversation now. He looks legit. The Bill sent a message. They said, we own the AFC East now. Bill Belichick looks like someone kicked his dog and pissed in his Cheerios. And he just looks like a lost grandfather trying to find the quarter that fell out of his pocket. I don't know, man. It's bad. Rodgers looked dominant against Tennessee. Mahomes, I think he's bored right now. You got a lot of things that are in play. You got Trevor Lawrence now being cemented and locked into the number one spot now with the Jags. There's an argument now saying that Trevor Lawrence could actually keep the Jaguars from going to London because he alone could ultimately be worth about a billion dollars to the Jaguars because he could infuse that much into that organization. And then what are the Jets going to do it too? You and I talked about it. I don't think they need to take Justin Fields. I think Sam Darnold is a middle to upper end QB1. He's got to get more weapons. He's got to have the people around him. you got to get an offensive coordinator that can exploit what he can do. He's better with his legs than what people think. Dwayne Haskins, who can't stay out of strip clubs and Instagram parties with his girlfriend with no mask on, why in the hell he ever had a captain label? Redskins release him. Ron Rivera was like, I'm done with this. I'm out. He had a chance to take the Redskins to the promised land against a very mediocre Carolina team. He had four turnovers. It's over. There's a lot to talk about. I want to hear from you and hear what your thoughts are. Yeah, Chad, we got a lot to dive into today. We're going to touch on a lot of these quarterbacks. You already hit on some of them. I want to dive a little bit deeper into some of these different quarterbacks and what we've seen so far this year from all these different teams, where they're at at the most important position in all of sports. But briefly, I'm going to touch on the college football playoff because I completely agree with you, Chad. The college football playoff is just getting boring. It's starting to feel a lot like women's college basketball, where it's UConn and Tennessee and the same two or three teams every year, and it's just not fun to watch anymore. I know Bama's great. I know Clemson's great. I know Ohio State's great. But let's face it, we all could have picked those teams in the preseason, and we all would have been right. Every single person who follows college football basically said those three teams will get there, and they did. They're going to have to change things up. I think this whole situation, the ratings are down in college football, and, and COVID was a big part of it. Don't get me wrong. COVID really wreaked havoc on the college football season, but I think they're going to have to go to a six or, or eight-team playoff. Personally, I think it should be six. I think at eight, it's a little overexpanded because at that point is is really is there a team ranked at seven or eight that really could win the title? I doubt it. I doubt a team like Cincinnati or something like that is going to beat Bama or Ohio State or one of these teams. I think if I was running college football, I would go with a six team playoff. I've been saying this for a while now where you take all power five champions. So you've got the power five champions automatically get into the playoff and then you leave that sixth spot for whoever the best smaller school non-Power 5 team is. So whether that was Cincinnati this year or teams like Boise State in the past or UCF, those teams that go undefeated at the smaller level, you know, that deserve a chance 
to at least play with the big boys, give them their shot too. But that way you've got all five champions. I just think it's the perfect setup and you'd get so much more inclusion and you go coast to coast and you get all these great teams playing for a chance to win a championship. The current system is just so flawed. The other thing that college football really needs to look at is they need a commissioner, a CEO type, if you will, that can really unify the Power Five because it really became more evident than ever this year with COVID that this sport is very fractured between the Power Five conferences. You had all these conferences doing their own thing. You know, one conference wants to cancel the season. One wants to start it late. This one, it was just, it became a total mess. The next thing that I would do, Chad, is you've got to get rid of about 10, maybe 12 scholarships. It's not necessary for these schools to have so many scholarships available. And what that would do is it would keep teams like Clemson and Alabama, these superpowers, if you will, in college football. That way they can't go out and sign four five-star running backs or they can sign three or four five-star receivers all in one class. I think if you get rid of some of those scholarships, it would instantly spread out the top talent. It's just gotten way too top-heavy. The sport is way, way too out of balance right now. I think college football needs to really take a look in the mirror and really look at how they can fix this sport and get it back on track to where we see a more competitive, more balanced college football in the future. But yeah, the NFL, Chad, it's getting real because we're coming down the home stretch here. We've got all these quarterbacks to talk about today. I wanted to touch on one that you talked about just a minute ago, and that's Dwayne Haskins. He's been in the news. When you look at Dwayne Haskins, he was a guy that on this podcast, season one, I broke down his tape for the draft, and I was not very high on Dwayne Haskins. I, I thought he had potential. I liked some of his skill set, but I wasn't really, I, I didn't feel like he was a guy that was really ready for the NFL game. And it's really proven true. Two years in, Washington, they just blew it with this draft pick. There's no way around it. For two years now, they've really wasted these two seasons with this kid who just, like I said, he wasn't ready to play at this level. And he certainly wasn't ready from a maturity standpoint. He does have physical talent. There's no doubt about it. But if you look at the maturity, you look at the way this kid has acted, it's just not what you expect from a guy who's the face of a multi-billion dollar franchise. If your left tackle or your free safety has maturity issues, nobody really cares. But the quarterback position, as we know, Chad, it's different. You're the face of the team. You're the leader in the locker room. You're the guy that everybody looks to. You're the one that's getting the most endorsements. You're on TV the most. You know, this kid was taking selfies when he should be in victory formation last year. Things like that just show you that he has a serious lack of self-awareness. It's hard to say if he's going to get another chance. I just read today that he didn't get claimed off waivers, but there are some teams, Adam Schefter reported, there are some teams that are uh, apparently interested. But I think at this point, he's a backup, and he's going to have to prove himself, and he's going to have to work his tail off to show whoever his next team is that he's not a joke and that he can be a leader and he can develop his skill set. And he's going to have to work hard to show these teams that because right now his reputation is not very good. But a guy you talked about who is really, really good is Josh Allen. We saw him light up the Patriots. It almost felt like a passing of the torch a little bit. This Patriots dynasty is all but dead. 
And the Bills are starting to look more and more for real. I've been hesitant to jump on this Bills bandwagon pretty much all season. I, I knew they were really good. They've shown me they're really good. But they just continue to roll. They continue to develop. And Josh Allen has really been the catalyst. And we know that because this is a guy, Chad, we talked off air about Josh Allen. This is a guy who really wasn't very good his first year. Really, his first two years, he was average at best. Buffalo stuck with him. They developed him. They brought in Stephon Diggs. They helped build the team around him. And they brought in a new offensive coordinator. And he's really starting to shine and play at such a high level. I just heard a story today that in the offseason, he was working with Tony Romo. He was picking Tony Romo's brain in the offseason about working on techniques and mechanics to try to improve his game. And he also worked with Carson Palmer's brother, Jordan Palmer, who is a uh, a highly regarded quarterback coach at this point. And I guess he really put in a lot of work behind the scenes when all the COVID stuff was going on and these guys weren't able to practice with their teams. He was putting in the work with some of these quarterbacks to get better, and it's starting to really show. I've been so impressed with him. But on the other side of that game, the Patriots, they just have to look at getting a real GM at this point because it's become clear to me, Chad, that there is a serious lack of talent on this roster. It's staggering. If you look at them, they haven't drafted a Pro Bowl skill player in a decade. You have to go all the way back to Rob Gronkowski's rookie year was the last time that they got a skill player that became a Pro Bowler in the draft. As great as Bill Belichick's been, He's been pretty bad at building this team in the draft, and I think they're going to have to get some personnel and bring somebody else in if they want to revamp this thing because it's glaring. Chad, this team does not have any weapons at all, and I think this is a much bigger rebuild than people thought because Cam's shot, we know that. You just talked about Cam, 34 yards. This guy, I just read, he's got like five touchdowns in his last 18 games. That is not getting it done. That's not a starting NFL quarterback. His days of playing at a high level are clearly behind him, and New England is in full rebuild. I'm with you. Cam, it's over. It's done for him. That contract now looking at him getting that million-dollar base signing bonus, I mean, that's about the only thing the Patriots got right this year was not overpaying him because of his name. But the Patriots are – they need to go gut, top to bottom, full rebuild. Uh, what I have seen on the field the last three or four weeks with the Patriots is not passing the eye test. Yeah, they're missing Gilmore and players like that, but they don't have any talent on the field, and it's apparent. And the Buffalo Bills dominated them. And I think Josh Allen was sending a message to a lot of people, not just to the Patriots, but also specifically to the Kansas City Chiefs. And he basically said, we can come into your house and we can beat you. And I believe that they can, Brad. I've watched enough of them this year and him – the Diggs trade, we mentioned it when we were doing mock drafts and stuff about what they gave up to get him. But look at what he has done this year. Look at how he has solidified that offense. They're utilizing Moss and Singletary. Josh Allen is using his legs when he needs to like a Russell Wilson. He's not running just to run like he did before. Some of the throws he's made these last three or four weeks, he is on a very, very short list of people with that strong of an arm that can put that football there. And when we look at drafts, we didn't talk about it in the intro, but man, I'm telling you, the Miami taking Tua at five and then the Chargers getting Herbert at six, Brad, that is looking more and more like the Dolphins may have missed on this one. 
I give you ultimate props because in our mock draft, you took Herbert ahead of Tua, talked about some of the reasons why. Tua has simply not passed the eye test for me. This is the second or third time now that you've had Ryan Fitzpatrick come in relief to help win a freaking football game. What does Brian Flores do? Comes right back out again in week 17 in a must-win game, and you're going to start Tua again. So what are you going to do this time? Third quarter, he's playing like shit again. Hey, we're going to go with Fitzpatrick again to save the day here. Come on, Miami. At some point, you got to say, he's our guy. We're going to roll with him because you said in week eight, we're starting Tua regardless. Even though Ryan Fitzpatrick had that team in position coming all going into the bye, he had done nothing to lose that job, Brad. You could have continued letting Tua develop. What I've seen out of Tua is an inability to get the football downfield. If you're Drew Brees and you're 72 years old, I can get it if you don't throw the football 25 or 30 or 40 yards anymore like you used to. Tua, you're maybe just one of those Alabama quarterback prodigies that looked really good in Alabama but it's not transitioning to the NFL. I don't think I've seen him throw a football down the field more than a handful of times, 25 to 35 plus yard range, and it'd be accurate on time and have some zip on it, and they move the football down the field. These little two and three and four and six yard slants and third and 13, and you throw them behind the line of scrimmage on a bubble, hoping to get a first down, that shit's not going to cut it in the NFL. And so the more film teams get on him, the more I think they're going to play to his weaknesses and exploit that. But you look at Herbert and what he's doing, throwing the football 50, 60 yards down the field sometimes. He won that game even with no Keenan Allen. They continue to get a few more weapons around him. They bring in someone like an Eric Bieniemy as a head coach who's developed and done a lot with Mahomes in Kansas City. I think Anthony Atlanta's out, even with winning these last couple of games. I think Herbert could be a guy. He's clearly going to win Rookie of the Year. He could be a Pro Bowl top quarterback for the next 10 years. And I can honestly, I hate to say it, if you're a Bama fan or you're a Tua fan, I love him. He's a great kid. I love his spirit. I love his family. I love his strength. I love his faith. But this guy might not be a starting quarterback within the next two or three years. What are your thoughts on the Tua situation in Miami? Chad, I'm with you. I had high hopes for Tua. I thought he was a guy who could play the position at a high level. What we saw at Bama, he, he definitely showed a lot of skill at the collegiate level. But I'm out on Tua. And that might be premature. Some people might be listening to this and saying, wait, isn't it a little too early for that? I don't think it is. I think I've seen enough. I think he's a bust. Is not passing the eye test, Chad. He's clearly not passing the eye test for his own coach. He's gotten benched multiple times already this year. Tua sucks. He sucks, Chad. There's no way around it. He got benched versus one of the worst secondaries in the NFL on Sunday. 94 yards with a 4.3 yard per average. It speaks to what you just talked about. Way too much dink and dunk. He can't take those shots down the field. I don't know if he's just not capable of it or if the offense isn't allowing him to do that. I But see, here's the thing. I don't think that's the case either because you watch Fitzpatrick come in and he'll fire it down the field. So I clearly think it's a quarterback issue more than a play calling issue. And remember, this is the same defense, that Raiders defense, was the same defense that fellow rookie Justin Herbert shredded a week earlier for 314 yards, two touchdowns, and a 9.8 yards per attempt. Tua got benched on the same day that Justin Herbert broke the record for the most passing touchdowns by a rookie in NFL history. If you're a Miami fan, you've got to be excited about Brian Flores. 
You've got to be excited about the culture, the fact that they're competitive, the fact that he's building this team up in the right way. But the one thing that's got to make you sick to your stomach is Justin Herbert was sitting there. You took two ahead of him, and this pick is going to haunt the Miami Dolphins for a long time because I'm with you, Chad. Justin Herbert's the real deal. This kid can sling it. He's big. He's tall. He's athletic. He's got a absolute cannon for an arm. He's fearless. He makes all the throws he's shown. They're not winning a lot, and I'm with you on that, but a lot of young quarterbacks don't win right away. But he's passing all the eye tests as far as showing us that he is a franchise-level quarterback, and I think you, you hit it. He's a lock for rookie of the year. And it's not looking good for Miami. If you're looking, they're saying the one position that they still are going to need, if they're going to take this team to the next level and be a true contender, you have to have high-level quarterback play. We know that. And I don't think two is the guy. And I clearly think Flores is questioning if he's the guy at this point, too, because he's gotten benched again. The guy just doesn't pass the test for me, Chad. He doesn't, Brad. I mean, I've watched enough already, and I've watched enough of Herbert to know these two guys are clearly on a different plane right now. I'm not saying Tua's not strong enough. Tua can't withstand the scrutiny and the questions. I mean, he did it at Alabama. I mean, he he's, he will stand there and answer. But at some point, you have to start to question your confidence, even if it's going into the first half or the start of the third quarter. If I make one more really bad throw or I have one more three and out, am I coming out again this week? This is week 17. This is a must-win week. If it's me, I just go to Tua and I go, listen, you are our guy. You're just not going to be our guy week 17. I think the team rallies around Fitzpatrick when he comes in. You saw more life out of Miami. They were like, oh, hell, all right, we got a shot now. I put it in the hands of a trusted veteran, not a rookie. When this is a must-win game, you don't put it in the hands of Tua and let him fail again. I think it can have long-lasting impact on him the next year and beyond. I feel for the kid. I want him to be better. I just don't know if he's going to be better, Brad. I don't understand it. I don't know what Miami's trying to do here. I don't know what their end game is. I mean, if you're trying to build the kid's confidence, you can't keep starting and keep taking him out. I don't think he's going to be an elite-level quarterback, and I think Herbert is going to be an elite-level quarterback. Herbert is doing in year one what Josh Allen is doing in year three. That's the best way I can sum it up, and you wouldn't have expected that in year one, and he did it without Austin Eckler for over half the year when Eckler is one of the top pass-catching running backs in the NFL, and he had a mediocre year out of Hunter Henry. He still has played to that level. The kid is the real deal. Yeah, there's no doubt, Chad. I, I've been so impressed with Herbert. It's it's unbelievable. And yeah, thank you for the props. Um, I just believed in Herbert more than I did Tua. And it's not that I didn't think Tua was going to be a good player. I'm actually shocked at how poorly he has played. But yeah, I, I think Herbert is showing us some really, really elite level play for a rookie. Probably one of the best rookie campaigns we've ever seen. Speaking of quarterback campaigns, though, Chad, I want to shift gears to the MVP race because I think it's a wrap. After this Sunday, Aaron Rodgers threw four more touchdown passes, three of them to Devontae Adams, 
man, what a season he has had. This guy is playing at such a high level. I'm so impressed with what I've seen from the Packers. This was one of those games, Chad, where going into this one, this was the perfect spot where in the last two years with this Packers team, the Tennessee Titans were the exact type of opponent that has given the Packers trouble. A run-heavy, physical, punch-you-in-the-mouth type of team. Those are the teams that the Packers have struggled with. And the Packers blew the doors off the Titans and really made a statement to the rest of the NFL that they are the class of the NFC. Aaron Rodgers is once again the MVP of this league, and they are going to be a really, really tough out. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt they are going to be a tough out, and they're going to go into Chicago That's going to be probably one of the more interesting games. Chicago started out 5-1, had the, we're benching Trubisky, went to Foles. Foles gets hurt. Trubisky getting benched may have been the difference in making this kid realize, hey, this isn't something that's just going to be handed to me because you gave a king's ransom and traded up to the number two pick for me, and this is my team regardless. The kid may have matured when he was on the bench because the Bears are now in contention. They control their own destiny. If they win this game and they beat the Packers, they're in the playoffs at nine and seven. That's a remarkable turnaround to go five and one to end up being five and six. And now you're sitting here at eight and seven to control your own destiny. But I just don't see if anybody stops Green Bay with that momentum. And when you've got Rodgers and Devontae Adams, who is just sick, if there was any argument before that he was not the best wide receiver in football, He missed three games and still had 16 touchdowns this year. If you had him in your fantasy, you probably won your fantasy league. But with him, Jones, and now you got a little bit of an emergence of A.J. Dillon, the defense is looking good enough. If everything has to run through Green Bay all the way through January and run through Lambeau, my money is on the Green Bay Packers to make it to the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers is now your front runner for MVP. I don't think anything stops him. I've not really seen enough out of the Saints, the Seahawks, even the Bucks to go in and beat Green Bay at Lambeau, Brad. But in the AFC, unless Kansas City is just bored right now, they're not playing with any spunk. If the kid from Atlanta catches that interception in the end zone, the Falcons go in. A four-win team goes into Arrowhead and beats the Chiefs. I mean, that puts in the number one seed into play. So they walked out of there, I mean, very, very lucky to win that game against Atlanta. But Kansas City is probably going to rest all their starters this week. They have no need to play them. And then you've got the bye. You could potentially have Chiefs players not really be at game speed for three weeks. That may have an impact on who they play in that second round of the playoffs, and it could catch them. It could bite them. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But Mahomes is still one of the best. But right now, it's Rodgers. Mahomes and Allen is your one, two, three. Russell Wilson's out of the equation. He's gone. Those three, that's your top MVP candidates for me. And if it's my vote, I'm probably giving it to Josh Allen right now. Yeah, I think you're right, Chad. This this kid's just played unbelievable. We touched on him. And when you look at the Chiefs, I'm glad you brought them up because you're right. They almost lost to a really bad Falcons team. They still are the champs. I think they're still the AFC favorite. But they are not peaking at the right time right now. Something looks a little bit off with this team. And you look at the way they played. Mahomes really had a very mediocre day. 
24 of 48, 278 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. You can get by with that kind of game against a bad team like Atlanta, but it's really hard to picture the Chiefs beating a playoff caliber opponent when Mahomes plays at that level. And, and we've seen it in the last couple of weeks here. The Chiefs don't look like that world beater team. Now they're getting by, they're getting wins, and in the NFL, a win is a win. But the, the Chiefs certainly don't look like this unbeatable giant that we saw earlier in the season when it looked like they were just going to steamroll their way to the Super Bowl. This AFC, Chad, you touched on it. This AFC is loaded. I mean, my goodness, this, I, this is the deepest I've ever seen this conference. There is going to be a really, really good team that doesn't get to go to the playoffs this year. A team that, like you said, is probably going to be 11-5, and five, something like that, and they're going to miss the playoffs because there are so many good teams. Any one of them could get hot and upset this Chiefs team. Suddenly, Baltimore is looking hot. They're looking like the team that we saw last year when they made their big run. Lamar Jackson is playing better. Running the ball has clearly changed things. And I wanted to, speaking of running the ball with a quarterback, you touched on it briefly. And I want to give some props to Mitch Trubisky because this guy has gotten beaten up left and right, social media, ESPN, you name it. We've all taken our shots at Mitch Trubisky. But he's really played pretty well here down the stretch. And hats off to him, but also hats off to Matt Nagy because they clearly altered this offense when they brought Mitch Trubisky back in. They're starting to run a lot more play action, a lot more RPO. They're moving the pocket and getting Trubisky out on the run. And they're really allowing Trubisky to utilize his athleticism. He's a really good thrower when he's on the move. He's not this great pocket passer. And I think they were trying to force him to be something that he really isn't earlier in the season. And now you look at Trubisky and they're, I just like the way they're using him. They're setting him up for success. You've got to play to your quarterback strengths. And I think they're doing a really nice job of that in Chicago right now. So hats off to them for turning this thing around and getting themselves back in the playoff discussion for sure. But the other team that I think, I shouldn't say they're flying under the radar because we everyone's talked about them all year, but I still think this team is a contender and they're playing at a high level right now. And that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady is just playing at an unbelievable level. It, it's so hard to believe that this guy is 43 years old. I know it's the Lions and they're not good, but he lit that team up this weekend and he is starting to really click. This offense is starting to really click. They have an embarrassment of riches, and I've always liked what I've seen from that defense. It's been a little inconsistent at times, but this is a team that blew out Green Bay earlier in the year, and I know Green Bay is red hot too, but I still think this is a team that is a dark horse contender in the NFC. I agree, Brad. You take the running game with uh, Ronald Jones. They won two games without him. Fournette was very serviceable. So that really, looking back on that, that was a really, really nice $3 million, hey, we're going to sign this kid uh, just to have depth at running back. And you see Tom starting to click now with Evans, with Godwin. Now he's got all the weapons on the field. 
Antonio Brown's getting more involved. Week by week, you're starting to see him get open, get those touches. Tom is spreading the football. Of course, Gronk has just really emerged and went from a from a blocking tight end because they were utilizing O.J. Howard. They've, they've kind of worked their way through that injury, and now Gronk is being Gronk again. I think he's energized. I think he's like smelling the playoffs, smelling the opportunity to be another Super Bowl contending team. I'll just tell you right now, from a quarterback rating, the my Mount Rushmore, Brady takes the Tampa Bay Bucks to the Super Bowl and wins and becomes the second quarterback to win with two teams but win his seventh. I tell Joe Montana to move aside, and Brady becomes my number one. You got Tony Gonzalez and some other really, really great tight ends, Antonio Gates, but it would it would absolutely put Gronk in his own hemisphere as well as far as tight ends go. And so, yeah, I'm with you. Tampa Bay is a scary football team. Tampa Bay is a complete enough football team. Tom has been enough of a cold-weather guy. They can go into Green Bay and cause enough fits with Green Bay. If you had Brady going up against Rodgers in the NFC Championship in Lambeau and you had Josh Allen going up against Patrick Mahomes, the two young guns in the AFC, wow. You talk about quarterback discussion leading into what would arguably be one of the best Super Bowls in a long time, even though last year's was pretty good. Man, uh, that's level five, get your popcorn ready right there, in my opinion. So we're going to see Green Bay and Tampa Bay more than likely. I mean, New Orleans is going to have something to say about that, and so will Seattle. But Seattle, I still don't think is a complete football team. Brad, you've been knocking on them from week one, week two. They've tightened up the defense a little bit with Dunlap, but I just don't think they're an elite-level football team. They've got great quarterback playing Wilson, and they got Lockett. they got Metcalf, Carson's back. I just don't know if Seattle is one of those teams where you're like, man, we're scared to go play the Seattle Seahawks. Not like the Legion of Boom days. And the Saints, yeah, they looked great. They beat a worthless Minnesota team, and Alvin Kamara had a freak day. Uh, But I'm stopping Kamara, and I'm making Drew Brees be the person that beats us. And I don't know if Drew Brees can beat anybody consistently over four quarters. Yeah, and Brady, just to put it in perspective, he's on pace for, what, 37 touchdowns this year? Lamar Jackson led the league in touchdown passes last year with 36. So just just put that in mind for a second when you think about what this 43-year-old guy is doing. And here's another thing to think about. We talked earlier about how bad this Patriots offense is post-Brady. The Patriots, with basically the same offense, but with Brady instead of Cam, they were a top 10 offense last season, and they went 12-4. and four. This year, they're 6-8, and eight, and one of the worst offenses in the entire league. I don't think you can understate just how high of a level Brady is playing at in these later years. And you're right because it's a stark contrast to what Breeze is looking like. Breeze, we we were early on this. I think a lot of people are kind of getting to the party late. Chad and I were early on this one, guys. We said it weeks ago. Breeze looks shot. He just isn't the same guy anymore. I know he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's a great guy. I'm not rooting against Drew Brees. It's just he's not the same guy. Father time has clearly caught up to him. The injuries have caught up to him. I don't think there's any doubt we're watching his final season. And they're going to try to make a run at it. But you're right with you, Chad. If the formula to beat New Orleans at this point, it's become really obvious to me. You load the box, press your corners on those wide receivers. You put, you bring a safety into the box, and you take away the run game. You take away Kamara, and you say, you know what, Drew Brees, you're going to have to beat us over the top because I don't think he can do it 
And I just think it's over. I think the Super Bowl window has officially closed for the New Orleans Saints. Kamara just, he was unconscious in that game. Minnesota's been really bad all year. Stop Kamara. There are certain things you got to do. I mean, even if you look at the Tennessee Green Bay game, I mean, Green Bay said, we're not going to let Derrick Henry beat us. That's it. That's the bottom line. So, I mean, I think when you look at it from that perspective, it's like you just got to take away a team's greatest weapon and say, beat us with your other people. Week 17 is going to be interesting. You've got some great matchups. It's all division rival games. You've got the intrigue with the NFC East and who's going to win that. You got Jared Goff with a broken thumb. Miami has to go into Buffalo and beat Buffalo to get into the playoffs. Right now, I think the Ravens are playing about as hot as anybody else. Kansas City has nothing to play for. Indianapolis is going to have an easy game against Jacksonville. I mean, by this time next week, we'll know who's going to be in the college football championship. you got to think about the playoffs and think about this seeding. We know who's going to get the number one seed uh, in the bye in the AFC. NFC, Green Bay wins. They're locked in. If they don't, Seattle can have it or Saints can get it. I, I don't know what the tiebreakers are, but that will be interesting to see if the Bears can truly legit go in into that game, even if it's in Chicago, and beat the Packers and get in at 9-7. and seven. They control their own destiny and then see what plays out with that number one seed for the NFC. So a lot of football to be played this weekend. It's going to be exciting to see what happens. Joining me today is Chris Robin, a Fantasy Sports Writers Association member, a contributor to Fantasy Pros, and you can read his work at DFSCheatSheet.com. Here to talk some DFS strategy for us. You can follow him on Twitter, at Detroit Beastie. Welcome back to the show, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now that the fantasy football playoffs are mostly wrapped up, more than ever, People are going to be looking to play some DraftKings and FanDuel this weekend. So I wanted to start with your specialty, Chris. You write a weekly article called Bottom of the Barrel, where you like to highlight undervalued DFS players each week. So who are a couple guys that fit that description this week? You know, week 17, to me, I find it to be... um there's a lot of value to be had because certain teams, if I'm sure you know this, certain teams have, they're in the playoffs and they have nothing to play for. They'll rest players like, you know, Josh Allen in, in Buffalo. Do they rest him? And what kind of value does that open up at quarterback uh, this weekend here? But right off the bat, Russell Wilson. From the Seattle Seahawks, they go to San Francisco, and normally you wouldn't uh, antiquate Russell Wilson with with bottom of the barrel here. But if you look at Lamar Jackson, uh, Baltimore goes to Cincinnati. He's the most expensive quarterback on the slate, nine thousand dollars. And they're thinking, well, what's Russell Wilson at? Russell Wilson is only at seventy five hundred dollars on Fanduel, so uh, you can see the price difference there. So Russell Wilson that low, he has to be a play in a divisional game, although it's in San Francisco. I don't care. It's Russell Wilson and uh, let the chips fall where they may. A few other guys who are a lot more cheaper, like in the $6,000 range, uh, Andy Dalton, Dallas plays the Giants this week and an NFC East opponent here. Uh, Andy Dalton, I think he threw three, actually he did, he threw three touchdowns last weekend. So anybody that played Andy in their seasonal formats is probably thanking him right now. And a guy like, what do we do with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua Tagovailoa? Viola, both Miami quarterbacks, both playing at Buffalo. 
both the same price on FanDuel, $6,800 here. So uh, I would imagine as the week starts to unfold and into the weekend, we'll see who's the starting quarterback there for Miami. But I would no doubt uh, look to have exposure to whoever the quarterback is in Miami this weekend. Yeah, I love it. Is there any running backs or wide receivers that you think are being undervalued this week? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Wayne Gallman Jr., the Giants running back. Again, they play, They host Dallas. Dallas is 24th overall against opposing running backs. He's $5,700 on FanDuel, and I believe he's about $4,800 on DraftKings. And the guy, the man of the hour, he was the man on Sunday Night Football. Rookie running back, uh, A.J. Dillon, the Green Bay Packers running back. They go to Chicago. Chicago's 10th overall against opposing running backs. He's $5,800 on FanDuel, and I believe he's in the high $4,000 on DraftKings. And look, that's the perfect situation, as we were talking about. The Green Bay Packers, uh, they're they're close to, if not already, the first overall seed in the NFC playoffs because uh, I believe they were tied with the Saints, but they have the win over the Saints here. So I don't think much can change that. So uh, in turn, uh, you could see a case where the second half of the Green Bay game, we won't see uh, Aaron Jones. We won't see Aaron Rodgers. We won't see Devontae Adams. They're going to rest their studs for a stretch run in the playoffs here. So A.J. Dillon could see, man, I don't know, 15 to 18 carries and what he did last weekend on Sunday night that's fantastic value for under $6,000 on on FanDuel and under $5,000 on DraftKings Brad. I love that for sure. Now let's take a look at the opposite side of the spectrum. Who are some overvalued or overpriced players that you think DFS players need to avoid this week? Yeah, absolutely. So as I said, when you look at you know the the landscape of, of football this week, a lot is going to be uh, it's going to change day to day here. We're only uh, it's only Tuesday here, and things are going to change and change and change here. I think I would stay away from uh, rookie Dynamo, as I call him, Justin Herbert. The Chargers go to Kansas City this weekend. Kansas City is twentieth overall against quarterbacks. Not that you know that's kind of the bottom tier of defenses there, but I just I. I don't like the the fact that the rookie will be an arrowhead. Kansas City is hitting on all cylinders, and I don't care if Kansas City uh, has everything locked up, sewn up, however you want to put it, for for a playoff run here. Justin Herbert is going to struggle there. Uh, again, it, I'm kind of contradicting myself here because Herbert's only seventy six hundred bucks. But if you look at, at someone in the in a comparable situation here, uh, you could get Derek Carr for seventy two hundred bucks. You could get, as I said, Andy Dalton for for seventy two hundred bucks. So there's a there's a few other quarterbacks. Kyler Murray is $7,800 here. So uh, stay away from Justin Herbert. And again, another guy, Deshaun Watson. I mean, Houston's playing in Tennessee. I want everything and anything I can get in Watson. But let's stay away from Aaron Rodgers again, too, this weekend. Just because I know you're going to say I'm crazy, Brad. Aaron Rodgers has thrown, what, 43, 44 touchdowns and only four to comparable to four interceptions here. But again, Green Bay's uh, in Chicago. Chicago's okay. They're eighth over overall against opposing quarterbacks but how much do we see of the starting you know of the starters Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams here. So for $8,500 on FanDuel, uh, I don't think he's going to hit that 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 value price that, that we normally expect him to get. So I'm staying away from Aaron Rodgers, and I'm going to stay away from, as I said, Justin Herbert at quarterback this weekend. Yeah, I like those picks, and I think the Bears' defense is pretty good against quarterbacks as well, and it's a divisional game. And the Bears are fighting for their playoff lives here, so you know they're going to come out fired up and give it their all. Who's the one guy, Chris, that you absolutely have to have in your lineup this week, regardless of the price tag? Oh, that is uh, uh, 
Indianapolis Colts rookie running back, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, you can't see this, but I have everything in front of me here. My eyes are, are as wide as, as, what do they say, saucers, dinner plates? I don't know. I just kind of made that up here. But Jonathan Taylor, the Indianapolis Colts host the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars are 30th overall against opposing running backs. So he, Jonathan Taylor, uh, he's kind of come on strong these last few weeks here. I believe I heard that JT is running back seven right now, seven or eighth, somewhere in that range. And Jonathan Taylor is $8,400. And, you know, looking at the price, that's, that's, actually pretty fair compared to Delvin Cook, who's uh, over $10,000. Derrick Henry's over $10,000. So Jonathan Taylor, $8,400. And I'll do you one better here. I love the combo stack of Jonathan Taylor and uh, Bears running back David Montgomery. Green Bay, they're playing Green Bay, as I've said, at home. Green Bay is 28th overall against opposing running backs, and he's $8,200 on FanDuel here. So I'm going to have a whole lot of exposure to JT and DeMont, as the kids are calling them these days, Brad. You must have been looking at my notes, Chris, because that was my next question. I was going to ask, who are some stack combinations that you like this week? Uh, as many DFS players know, stacking is a popular strategy to have success and you listed one there, but is there any other stacks that you think are a, a good play this week? Yeah, I think we can get away with uh, like a Las Vegas uh, Raiders stack, you know, Derek Carr, uh, Josh Jacobs, you know, Vegas goes into Denver, Denver's 25th overall against opposing quarterbacks, they're 18th opposed, uh, you know, excuse me, against opposing uh, running backs, and then if you look at that, what Denver does against opposing wide receivers here, uh, give me a moment, I'll bring it up here, they're 12 overall against opposing wide receivers here. So uh, in a way, the numbers can only tell you so much because ultimately when we're left to our own devices, at least me personally, uh, I do. I look at the numbers and then I, I look in myself or deep inside myself and what am I feeling in my chest? What's that rumbling uh, in my stomach? you know, per se. And Vegas isn't high on my radar, but I love the idea of a Minnesota Vikings stack, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, that combo. They're in Detroit. Detroit is 32nd overall against opposing wide receivers. They're 31st against opposing running backs here. So I could see a lot of damage being done by Delvin Cook and Justin Jefferson and even Adam Thielen here. And I, I think we, there's a cause here for maybe, why don't we try and get, I don't want to say contrarian, but you know, go against the grain and stack Chicago Bears too. And as I said, Chicago's home. And as you said, excuse me, Chicago's fighting for their playoff lives here. And Green Bay is just whatever. They're already in. They've won 11 or 12 games here. They're cruised. They're on easy street right now. Who's to say that the second half of that football game, we see a bunch of the second tier, third stringer scrubs for Chicago Bears opening up things wide for, for the Chicago Bears. And if, if that's the case, why don't we look to stack the Chargers too in Kansas City? Kansas City could be resting a lot of their, their starters here. So, you know, there, there's cases to be made for playing against some of the better teams because of, of, of a positive game script, of a presumptive kind of uh, game script. I think it certainly does because week 17 is a very different scenario than any other week because of all the playoff scenarios that are in play. And like you said, guys resting, teams that are motivated versus teams that aren't. It's definitely a unique week to be playing DFS, and I think that's why it was so perfect to have you on here today. So I got one last one for you. What is a 
or you can name one or two if you'd like, but what are some sneaky defensive plays this week? We know that defense tends to get a little overlooked, whether it's in fantasy or DFS, but a lot of times you can't win without a good defensive play. So who are some defenses you like this week? Great question here. I uh, I love the Arizona Cardinals this week, and the Cardinals are going to the Rams. The Rams are ninth overall as an offense as it stands right now, so there's a lot of red there, but I'm seeing green. The Arizona Cardinals, in terms of FanDuel, they're $3,800, and the most expensive uh, team on the slate. I like to give the most expensive you know team or player because it, it helps put other things uh, in perspective here, Arizona is $3,800 and the Rams have looked, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, Brad, Arizona, or excuse me, the, the Rams have looked awful. I don't know what the heck is going on with them. Jared Goff is bound to make a couple mistakes, some ill-advised sacks, maybe an interception or two. It just seems like that offense, the Rams offense is just, they're, they're in quicksand and that's not, this is not the right time to be stuck uh, in quicksand here. Uh, I love the Cowboys this weekend against the Giants. They're $4,000 on FanDuel. The Giants are, it's all green. The Giants are 29th overall as an offensive unit. So the Dallas Cowboys, who, if you look at what they've done the last, let's just call it four or five weeks here, uh, they've been a little bit more uh, respectable than when they started off in the season because, you know, Early on in the season, they were 31st, 30th overall. Arizona Cardinals, I love the Dallas Cowboys, and I could also see a case to be made for for the Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings come to Detroit. Matthew Stafford is, uh, man, he is beat the heck up, which he normally is each and every year because the Li- the Lions organization is that's better suited uh, for another for another show between uh, you and I Brad here but uh, who knows if 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 Matthew Stafford's even going to play and then that that's the classic case of your second string quarterback maybe even the third string quarterback comes in and Minnesota still has some some uh, let's call it ball hawking, opportunistic kind of players in their secondary here. So I love the idea of the Minnesota Vikings, who are you know very lowly priced this weekend on both sites. Well, you heard it here, guys. PGF Nation, he's one of the best in the business. Chris Robin, once again, joining us today for DFS Strategy. You can read his work once again at DFSCheatSheet.com and follow him on Twitter at Detroit Beastie. Great stuff as always. Really appreciate it, Chris. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks so much. And I just want to say, uh, hopefully you had a, a happy a happy holidays. The new year is right around the corner. So thank you for you know supporting me and having me on several times during the season. I appreciate it. You know, I, I love I love what you do with the show and I, I can't thank you enough. And here's to a lot more growth and a lot more success in the new year, Brad. You're too kind, Chris. I really appreciate it. Love your stuff as well. And you're always welcome back on the show and we'll have to do it again here soon, Chris. Thank you so much. I look forward to it. All right. Joining me this week back on the show for the pick six is Connor Allen. You can follow him on Twitter at Connor Allen NFL. He does high stakes fantasy football and betting for four for four football. His podcast is Move the Line. It's an NFL podcast. Lots of great stuff on there. Excited to have you back on the show, Connor. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you having me back on. I, I look forward to it. I remember uh, coming on here, and I, I don't think my picks went very well, but it has been a great season for me. So, uh, unfortunately, well, I'll try and do better this time around. Nope, I get that, man. We all have those weeks, certainly. And I'm going to kick this thing off, Connor. And I've got some picks in the college game. And the first one that I'm looking at this weekend is going to be 
Indiana lane eight and a half versus Old Miss. When I look at this matchup, for me, Old Miss is a team that certainly can put up points with Lane Kiffin's offense, but they're up against a very underrated IU defense. This is a team that doesn't even allow 20 points per game. They've been really solid on that side of the ball. And on the other side, Old Miss has one of the nation's worst defenses that allows over 40 points per game. I think this is a situation where IU is going to have a lot of success being able to move the ball. And I think their defense can make just enough stops to cover that eight and a half. So give me the Hoosiers laying the eight and a half versus Old Miss in that one. So what do you got for us, Connor? What's going to be your first pick here on pick six? Yeah, so I will kick us off with a team total for the sun, for this Sunday. Uh, it's available right now on DraftKings Sportsbook. So I'm going to take the Texans team total over 23 and a half. Uh, Deshaun Watson was not on the injury report today in practice uh, as we were recording. And I mean, the Titans defense is really, really bad. They rank 31st in pressure rate, 30, 30th in pass defense DVOA, 30th in adjusted sack rate. Last time that these teams met, it was 36 to 42, uh, went back and forth. And so I think there's a, plenty of wiggle room, even if this game is a little bit lower scoring than last time. But looking at this Titans defense as well, like they have allowed 24 more points in 11 of their 15 games this season. And three of those times were the Broncos, Jaguars, and the Nick Foles-led Bears. So I think the Texans are substantially better than any of those teams and should be able to put up probably 27 or more points against the the Titans this week and cash the over on the 23.5 team total. Yeah, I like that play, certainly. For my second pick here, I'm also I've got all college picks for you guys this week with the college football playoff big high profile game here. I'm going to take Ohio State getting seven and a half versus Clemson. Clemson has had the Buckeyes number in recent years, but Coach Dabo Sweeney really poked the Hornets nest with his comments he's made about Ohio State and him ranking them number eleven really disrespectful comments about Ohio State in this program. And Clemson, they have a talent advantage, but not a huge, sizable talent advantage. This Ohio State team definitely has some big-time playmakers on it, and I think they've got the emotional edge in this one. They've got that bulletin board material. I expect them to play fired up and be really dialed in for this one. They've got the second best quarterback in the nation with Justin Fields. So there's not as great as Trevor Lawrence is. There's not a huge advantage there at quarterback as well. They've put up 42 or more points in three of their last four games. And I just think there's some value there at seven and a half. Yeah, that's I, I like that a lot, actually. I, I didn't realize that the spread was this big. I would have probably had it closer to like six, six and a half, which it seems like what most of the, the time it ends up in the, the college football playoff for teams that are like closer. Um, so I don't know. I think I think that's interesting. Yeah, definitely. So back to the NFL for you. What do you got for your next pick here, Connor? Yeah, so I'm going to go with the Packers. Uh, lay the five points with the Packers here against the Bears. So they're playing for a first-round bye, so they're extremely motivated. I know the Bears are also playing for their shot at getting into the playoffs, but um, I mean, I, I consider the Packers to be a substantially better team. The last time these teams met, Packers were winning 41 to 10 heading into the fourth quarter uh, and the game wound up being 41 25 with two garbage time touchdowns from the bears. But I mean, realistically this game was just not even close. Uh, and I, I kind of consider this to be almost the same thing here. I, I have this handicap that, you know, Packers is a touchdown favorite, even on the road. I also think that 
Part of this is that the market is really just buying a Trubisky success, but they're not really considering who he's played. The Texans, Jags, and Lions rank 32nd, 31st, and 28th in pass defense DVOA. And Mitch Trubisky throughout his career is really he's played well against bad defenses, which sounds you know obvious, but not all quarterbacks do that. It's just been Mitch's thing is that he's very successful against bad defenses and any competent defense he really struggles against. So Green Bay's D may not be elite, but they're certainly in the top half. So I like the matchup there. I like the, the Bears' offense to slow down, and then the Packers' offense to keep rolling against the Bears' defense that really is not as good as their name brand suggests anymore. Yeah, I like that play, certainly. And you took the words out of my mouth when you were talking about the Bears there because you're right. He's kind of beaten up on some bad teams here recently, and this Packers team is anything but a bad team. And that defense for the Packers has really been playing well these last few weeks. So I like that play. I think the Packers roll. And like you said, this is a motivated Packers team that wants to lock in, lock in that number one spot and get that by. So I don't think there's any reason for them to let off the gas or, or ease up in this one. So I, I expect them to cover that as well. I like that pick. And so for me, my last pick here, I'm going back to the college football playoff. I'm going to take Alabama lane the 19 and a half. It seems like a big number for people here, but they're going up against Notre Dame and the Irish. I'm just haven't been overly impressed with this team. Their record looks great. They look like they belong here, but I think this is the team that has really been inflated by beating up on a really weak ACC schedule this year. They beat Clemson with without Trevor Lawrence, but then they got blasted by them in the ACC championship because they simply don't have the horses to run with the elite teams in college football. Don't get me wrong, Brian Kelly and what he's done with this program, hats off to them. They're a very good football team, but once you step up to this level and play these really, truly elite teams, they tend to get exposed in these matchups, and I just think it's another spot where they're going to get rolled in this one, so I've got roll tied lane 19 and a half. And I, I think this is a three touchdown or more win by Alabama. I mean, isn't that just like the lock of every year? If Notre Dame makes the playoffs, they just get steamrolled uh, in the first round. It seems like. <laughs> yeah. And that's certainly played into that pick there. I, I think that holds very true. The last two times they were in the playoff, they got absolutely blasted. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So I will go back to uh, NFL here. Um, uh, for my last pick, uh, I'm going to take the Dolphins, uh, money line here. So, uh, the Dolphins need to pretty much need to win here to make the playoffs. Otherwise they need like three other teams to lose. And the bills are only somewhat motivated. So they're playing for the number two seed, which normally be a big deal, but with the NFL's new playoff structure, it really isn't anymore, uh, because there's no buy for the number two seed. So the bills could also get in or also be the number two seed with a Steelers loss. And the Steelers are already resting their starters against the Browns. The Steelers are 10-point underdogs against the Browns right now. And so, I mean, if they're down big at half, I think that there's a good chance the Bills pull their starters at some point, and they don't even end up playing the full game. So I personally grabbed the, the Dolphins at plus 3.5 in the money line then, but now it's currently sitting at like plus 1.5. I would still consider grabbing them against the spread and the money line there because I think they, they went outright. I mean, they're a good team that's motivated, whereas the Bills could potentially rest their entire starters in the entire second half and aren't really that motivated to win. Yeah, these Week 17 matchups can get really interesting, and you hit it on the head perfectly there because I was thinking the same thing, that Pittsburgh is not playing to win, certainly, and with that being a big factor in this one, uh, like you said, the number two seed is not what it used to be, so 
They don't have nearly as much to play for. And the Dolphins, like you said, they have everything to play for. This is a team that's hungry. They play hard. And they've really played hard for two years in a row under Brian Flores. And I don't expect anything different in this one. Divisional matchup, so there's some familiarity is there or there as well. So I like that play. And I, I definitely like the money line pick with Miami for sure. Yeah, I, I could see it closing potentially even like with the Dolphins as favorites if we get like wind that the Bills are going to rest their starters or could rest their starters if they see the Steelers. Right now it's just speculation, um, but realistically, like there's no point of playing your starters if it's not going to change anything. Uh, you might as well give them a little bit of extra rest. But that's going to do it for the pick six. Once again, Connor Allen joined us today to make some picks. Really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the show, and we'll have to do it again next time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. Always a good time. Coming down the home stretch here, guys, week 17, we're going to know who all the playoff teams are, obviously, by the end of next week, which is going to lead us into a bunch of playoff coverage for you guys. So next week, we're going to be all about the playoffs. We'll touch on the college football playoff as well, of course, but we're going to be diving into these matchups in a big time way. We're going to be making picks on all these games and telling you who we like and breaking down what happens going forward each week all the way to Miami and a Super Bowl champion, of course. It's going to be an absolute blast. I know I can't wait. I know you guys can't wait, PGF Nation. So until next time, next week, we'll start talking about the playoff matchups and start really uh, looking at who's going to take home the Lombardi this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. But once again, that's going to do it for this week, guys. Hope you guys had a great holiday. Have a happy new year. We love you, PGF Nation, and we will catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the Pint Glass Football Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Twitter at PGF Podcast.